The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ryan Treasure. We're right here live on voiceamerica.com forward slash live events bringing you an extremely special first time one of a kind interview to talk about the human energy revolution today we're going to be talking to john rosebush alternative energy professional and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what john has created in the realm of energy production and just to give a little backstory, uh, John is from Michigan, graduated from Niles High School, served in the 82nd Airborne, uh, so a military man right after my heart, so we appreciate his service, graduating from Southwestern Michigan uh, with a degree in computer programming, as well as Ferris State College with his bachelor's degree in IT, has worked for an analyst at an international oil company, Marathon, and retired in 2006. And from there, immediately began working on attempting to discover a way to extract energy from river flow. He's worked and collaborated with many groups of engineers for over eight years with no real breakthroughs. And finally found, after dismantling the project, that he had a breakthrough in the energy generation from river flow. And he's completely transformed the new energy invention multiple times to where it has the ability to generate almost unlimited energy for a fraction of the cost distributed widely around the planet. John, thank you for joining us here at our studios in Phoenix, Arizona. You're welcome. Uh, today, uh, what I'd like to discuss is the sustainability of the human race. We have, uh, there's two things that are required for a sustainable planet. The first thing is an energy invention that has the ability to create almost unlimited energy without consuming resources. This new energy I invented is based on kinetic energy, which means I've, uh, what I do is I capture the energy from river flow. The next thing that's required for a sustainable planet is uh, recyclable program. We have to be able to recycle our resources. We have 7.3 billion people living on this planet today, and it's growing. So, you know, in the, back in the 1950s, there was a billion and a half people. Today, there is 7.3 billion. The strain on the resources around the planet is enormous. And if we want to create a sustainable planet where we can sustain life for thousands of years, we need these two things are essential to make that happen. So what I'd like to do first is start to talk about the issues that mankind is facing in the future. And if we just pull back the covers a little bit, the first thing is fossil fuels are a limited resource. Many people today consume gasoline, oil, and, and, and think, well, it's just going to be unlimited and last forever. That is not true. Uh, BP, which is a major international oil company, they estimate there's 53 years of oil reserves remaining. Now, I know that in the future, we will find more oil and we will find better recovery methods because today, we only produce about 50% of the oil at best that we find. The rest is unrecoverable, as they call it. So think about it. 53 years is not very long. So even if we find another 
30 years of oil. That's 83 years. That's so, so, John, one of the things that you're telling us is since 1950s, there was you know a little over a billion people, and now we're a little over 7 billion people. So in the same amount of time span that BP projects for our total oil reserves of 53 years, there could be potentially another 700% increase in population from now until the time we run out of oil based on those projections. Well, you know, we, there, there, we actually think that there'll be 10 billion people by 2030 or 2040. I forget what people predict. But, you know, our population is growing exponentially. Right. So, you know, we, we say, well, 53 years of oil remaining. Well, uh, let's say, let's say we, they find more oil and there's 80 years of oil. Okay, that is not very long. That is not long. And, and... People need to realize that 30% of the oil consumed in the United States is to make products, not energy. So the plastic on the headphones that we're wearing and... Well, there's 7,000 7, products. There's plastics, yep. there's tires, asphalt. We couldn't have a modern world without oil, okay? And I, there's no way we could maintain 7.3 billion people or, or 10 billion people without oil. So that's why oil is so critical to preserve, for one thing. Uh, you know, the other thing is natural gas. We're fracking for natural gas. It's dangerous to our, our oh, aquifers around the world. Yeah. The next thing is coal. We have more coal than anything else, but that is creating so much smog and so many problems in the world that, you know, these fossil fuels, we have to get off them. So it's like the current road that we're on, no matter how much we consume as a society, Ultimately, by that consumption, we're doing even more damage to the earth as well as removing our ability to use those resources as they're consumed. Well, you know, let me give you an example. The North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana uh, oil find that we did recently that is a lot of hoopla in the United States. Yep. It, it's 9 billion barrels. The world consumes 32 billion barrels of oil today. So the 9 billion barrels is less than a four-month world oil supply. Wow. So, you know, if you talk about uh, 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 that being meaningful, it's not meaningful at yeah, all. In the grand scheme of things, it's just a drop in a bucket. Right. Yet we at, in the United States talk about it like, wow, you know, it's going to be our <laughs> big solution or something. I know for a long time people thought that that uh, uh, find in the Dakotas was going to, you know, allow the United States to not have any kind of uh, 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 dependency on foreign oil, but right. it's just not the case. No, uh, almost 50% of our oil today that we use in the United States comes from foreign sources. So when they talk about uh, energy independence with the United States, it's just a false, you know, false It's statement. just a buzzword. <laughs> the, the next set of problems that I, uh, we can talk about is the smog uh, from coal, burning coal in uh, India, China, and many other parts of the world is just, they're wearing, wearing medical masks over there yeah. because it's so bad. Uh, actually, this may sound a little crazy, but in China, you can buy a, a, a tank full of fresh air from Canada. That's how bad things have gotten over there. Wow. Which sounds insane, but people are selling it over there. So, you know, that's the next thing is that the smog issues. Matter of fact, 25% of China's agricultural land is unfarmable today. And it's because of the particulates in the smog that they're releasing. So what does China do? China says, well, we'll go to Africa, we'll go to Australia, we'll buy up some land so we can feed our, our country. That's how ridiculous and uh, that things have got. I know it's so mind-boggling just to even to think that because of the world's usage of fossil fuels and oil and all of those things, ultimately 
our exposure to those elements is causing a problem for other countries to be able to to eat, which is the most important component of, of being in, uh, of humanity is eating. So be, besides fossil fuel shortages yeah. that we'll be facing in the future, we have smog issues, and which is causing climate change, and we see the effects of that. Even though some there's deniers, most of the scientific world believe in it. The the next thing is water shortages. You know, we, we see some water shortages in California, but India and China and many other parts of the world are facing water shortages. Actually, the scientists predict 60% of the people will face water shortages over the next 30 or 40 years. Do you feel like water is like oil? It's a non-replaceable commodity? Well, I don't know about non-replaceable, but it surely is needed. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you know, and, and uh, people today... Uh, we don't see it in the United States that much. Maybe California does a little bit. But even England is starting to feel water shortages. So, you know, if you were lived in parts of those countries, you would you would think it was yeah, a huge concern. Yeah, they're, they're, they're feeling the effects of that right. now, yeah. So, you know, now we, we covered water shortages. Food shortages the same way. They predict we're going to need 50% more food by the year 2040 to feed the world. So uh, that is, you know... Uh, that's an enormous challenge that we have. Yeah, and if we continue polluting the the earth with all the fossil fuel expenditures, then it makes it that much harder for us to create the food that might be needed in the future as well. Well, that's the next thing. You know, you look at the Pacific Ocean with the dumps. Yeah. You know, it, it's turned into one big dump. You know, it's talked about by people, but people don't actually see that. You know, that's why it's important to pull back these covers a little bit and really take a look at the challenges that the world is facing. Agreed. They're huge. Uh, so, and also then the glaciers are melting, which is causing sea level rises. All this is, I wouldn't say all, but a, a good share of this is due to using fossil fuels. Yeah. Okay. And on top of it, if we don't preserve our oil and have a, uh, 7.4 billion people cannot survive, uh, w without it. Uh, we, we need oil in the future. We just need oil for things other than burning it to drive our cars and create in electricity and, and, and those types of scenarios. So remember me talking right at the beginning, we need two things two for things, a sustainable yep. planet. We need to find an energy source that doesn't consume resources. Yep. We also need to have recycle program that recycles all our stuff. In other words, nothing goes to the dump. We recycle every bit of resources that we have. You know, you talk about recycling and, uh, you know, I'm an avid social media person, so I'm constantly reading articles. And, uh, you know, that was one thing I, I was reading about Switzerland and how they are leveraging uh, using their garbage uh, to create electricity. And they've gotten to the point now where uh, they don't even have enough garbage in their own in their own place. They're importing gar uh, garbage from other countries right. uh, to leverage that to create electricity. But that's a horrible thing because we should be making plastics out of plastic. Uh, that is the key. Just because we can consume it to make electricity, that's not a good recycle program. What we need to do is make sure that, uh, so a plastic on a lighter could be used for plastic on a computer the next time. After that, maybe plastic in a car. So but before, before we get into the, the one piece, which was your number one, uh, which was uh, an invention, right, that has energy that's uh, 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 renewable, uh, Let's talk a little bit about the recycling. We were, we were talking a little bit about Switzerland, and you're saying that, you know, uh, the plastic needs to be made from plastic. Can you give us maybe an example of uh, what type of recycling program or what that might look like in the future to have a proper one? Well, I don't want to go into it too, too deep because this is going to be about my new energy invention, et cetera. But what needs to actually happen is anything made out of oil should get recycled. Today, we recycle cars and different major components. Mm -hmm. In the, uh, and, and which is kind of, well, I don't want to get into the details of it, but the, uh, 
uh, oil is is limited, and we're going to run out of it sometime. I don't know when in the future, but sometime in the future. So if we recycle our oil products, then that means thousands of years from now, people will still have those products, and we cannot survive without plastics in this world. Well, no way do we want to go back to glass and tin and wood for to, to maintain products. We have to have plastics. And so that is essential that we preserve as much oil as possible. That's, uh, uh, it, it's actually critical to the human survival, okay? So I, I, I think that kind of talks a little bit about the issues that mankind's facing. Um, and now let's talk a little bit about how we're trying to solve our energy today, okay? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, um, that part of the discussion is kind of a, a new age for humanity uh, and going into the discussion about uh, the new energy invention, its capabilities, and, uh, and its almost unlimited possibilities. Well, first, let's talk about the energy that, is, that we're trying to produce today, okay? First thing, we talked about fossil fuels. It's a limited resource. We're going to run out of them. We cannot count on them. We have to get off them. The, the next type of energy source we have is dams. Now, the thing about dams is there, we've already installed dams in most of the places around the world where they could be installed. There is other places, and we're working on it, but dams have already been exploited, okay? And by the way, before we go too much further, 98% of the transportation fuels is, is oil-based, yep. okay? So just for people to know that, 80% of the energy in this country is produced from fossil fuels. Correct. Okay? So... If we uh, uh, know they're going to go away, we have to replace them. This is not an option. It has to be done. So let's talk about some of those deficiencies in those. Okay. The, the first thing, dams have already been exploited, so they're done. Um, you know, we, we, the next thing is nuclear, and we know nuclear's got a, a high amount of waste, Yeah. Uh, we, uh, and it's dangerous, and... Um, you know, we don't we don't want to create energy and all glow in the future. Yeah, so, you know, you, you bring up a really good point. You know, we're here in Phoenix, and we have one of the largest nuclear power plants here at the Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant. And, you know, you talk about creating energy and not wanting to glow. That's one thing, you know, living in Phoenix with my family has always been something that is near to my heart is, uh, is knowing that uh, that nuclear power plant is like 24 miles from my home. And... Uh, it's a scary thing to think about what would happen if that thing turned into like a Fukushima or something like well, that. Well, and most people don't realize the nuclear waste coming from these nuclear plants are stored right on site. They have temporary storage sites, some of them are on fault lines. It's a very dangerous thing to pursue. That's why we've been so hesitant with nuclear over the right. past 20 years or 30 years. The next thing is wind and solar, okay? And wind and solar are intermittent energy sources. Now, what I mean by that is it's an energy source that uh, could be on, off, you know, like if it's a cloudy day, uh, you get energy for a little bit, okay, it stops, you get energy for a little bit. Same with wind. Wind, on average, you get about 40% of the time wind blows strong enough to create electricity. Yep. Uh, by the way, uh, they also market these wind turbines by capacity. So uh, you look at a 2-megawatt wind turbine. Okay, 40% of the time, it's possible to create energy. And even when it creates energy, it's only 25% effective. So uh, rating a wind turbine by 2 megawatt wind capacity is almost like gauging the mileage on a, on a, on a car by going down a mountain in idle. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Uh, uh, so, you know, they're, they're marketing these things on false pretenses, for one thing. The second thing is intermittent energy can never solve our energy needs. 
Um, there's no possible way that we can eliminate the utility companies by the use of these, these uh, inventions. There's no possible way. That's why they're all hooked up to utility companies. Yeah. And so what happens is, you know, on a, on, a, on a sunny day, if you would actually take a look at how the energy is produced, it, it looks crazy. The chart is up and down. Electricity has to be at a constant level. <laughs> it looks level. like an EKG. <laughs> yeah, uh, worse. Right? Yeah. And electricity has to be at a constant level. So uh, how are, do you merge that into a utility system? I'm not trying to be mean about solar and wind, but there's it's almost impossible. Right. Well, you, we were kind of talking offline before, the, uh, before we jumped on live a little bit about that, and I just kind of want to educate um, some of the listeners too, right? We talk about uh, a constant energy source versus a non-constant energy uh, source. Can you explain a little bit about yeah, the differences? Uh, electricity has to be run at a peak load. In other words, uh, let's, uh, I'm going to give Phoenix as an example. Phoenix uh, uses about 6.8 gigawatts of electricity. Now, you don't know what a gigawatt is right now, but it's a certain level of electricity, minimum level of electricity that, that it, it's actually the maximum, amount, but, but it, it, if you, if you. Well, that's why it's constant. The minimum and maximum is the same. Right, right. Yeah. right. And so anytime you mix wind and solar in there, you fluctuate that. Well, the utility company can't fluctuate that by minute. You know, it, it actually resets itself by the hour. Right. So, uh, like on a cloudy day, the electricity that the homeowner gets to take advantage of, the utility company don't. And that's why they're so, uh, been fighting it so hard because the utility company don't save a penny. Okay, just the homeowner does. Right, because they're still having to supply the constant even though uh, uh, regardless of the home's uh, solar Ability or wind to, because it's fluctuating so much as they pump into the grid, it still has to stay constant. Right, and, and so for the utility company, there's no benefit at all. And, and, and so then really the, the electricity that it does produce is just wasted electricity anyway. Uh, that's the net effect of it. Mm -hmm. So that's why, and, and we, you know, anybody that has solar panels realizes you need the grid. You know, uh, if, if we were just going to rely on intermittent energy, even with home batteries, what happens if it's cloudy for a week? What happens if the wind blow, don't blow for a week? Then the home battery runs out. Are you going to then have all the food spoiled in your in your? Yeah, ultimately, your ultimately, you end up with a, a, a cloudy day. Your solar panels are not peak efficiency, not charging up your and you're batteries, not on the grid. and you're not on the grid. Ultimately, you're going to that battery that you're you're storing your energy is going to run out. So then, what happens? Because you, my refrigerator is constant. <laughs> right. So th then, what happens is, what do you do? You tell your kids, I, I, I was going to cook you dinner tonight, but all the food spoiled. So you know, we can't run our society based on energy energy regardless of of how you know how many people are trying to tell you that it is impossible we need firm energy firm energy means constant energy that's why wind and solar only make up a very small percentage of the energy produced in this world right now and it's because of it's not firm energy that's why uh, most of your energy almost all of it comes from dams comes from nuclear power comes from coal uh, comes from natural gas uh, that are still the major sources. They're firm energy. They're 24-hour-7 energy. Uh, wind and solar, intermittent energy, impossible to actually run our country in that. Regardless if you hear, well, you know, the sun shines on the earth and there's, there's so much energy from it. The problem is it's not concentrated. We can't capture it. And, and it wouldn't matter if you had solar panels on every roof in the world and you had wind turbines everywhere we would still have major, major issues with keeping up constant energy, okay? And that is the, the, the biggest issue with wind and solar. So what I'm trying to get across to the folks in the audience is that today, 
the way we're trying to attack uh, replacing fossil fuels is not working. And it will not work in the future. It's impossible for at the, at the approach that they're taking. So now I'd like to talk a little bit about what I've done. Um, I've created an energy invention based on river flow. Yep. And the reason why I pursued river flow from the beginning was it was constant energy. And it was dense. Air is not dense. Water's dense. So what I've tried to do is capture the energy from water. Movement. Water is so dense you cannot compress it. Right. Well, you can, but it's very, you know. Very difficult. <laughs> but, but, you know, wind and solar you can't capture because it's not dense energy. So what I, what I decided to do was work on river flow. Okay. Now today we have dams that, that we produce from hydro. Okay. And we also have uh, uh, ocean current technology. It's not very effective. That ocean current technology too is relatively new in, right. the, in the last 10 years. And, and that's a little more stable, but then they have the wave technology that is very unstable because again, uh, we have tides and we don't have tides and we have waves and sometimes it's calm. So it's intermittent energy. Also again. not constant, right? Intermittent. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's yeah. So what I did was uh, decided to work on river flow right off the bat as soon as I retired from Marathon. I thought, well, this is constant energy. It's very dense, dense, and if I can figure out a way to capture the energy from it, then I can uh, uh, produce firm energy, which means 24-7, which I knew we had to do in order to replace fossil fuels. Okay? So what I did was I spent the first eight years working on it. Mm -hmm. And I failed. I built prototypes. We, I was up in Michigan, up by Traverse City. I built prototypes, put them in rivers, took them out, re changed it around. For eight solid years, I failed. The nice thing was I funded the, this whole thing. So I could keep working on it. I didn't have to answer to anybody. But the bad thing is I kept working on it. <laughs> yeah. So for eight years, it was complete frustration, enough to where I just couldn't believe it. I, I just... So I threw my hands up after eight years, and, I, and during that time, I had worked with a bunch of retired engineers. We worked with the University of Michigan a little bit, Northern Michigan University. We spent a great deal of time experimenting on river flow, and it was, uh, uh, and, and we just could not find a way. It's because of the ebb factor. Let me explain to everybody what the ebb factor is. The ebb factor is, you know, if you've ever stood in a river, you, you realize the force of it. And if you've tried to hold something up like a piece of plywood or something in a river, you, you realize the pressure is enormous at the beginning. And then it alleviates as soon as the water gets around you yep. and surrounds that object, okay? That's called the ebb factor. So what we did was we found a way around that. We have found a way to solve that. So what this new energy invention can do is it can capture all the energy from river flow, all of it, okay? And then we magnify that energy. And that's how we uh, have created this new energy invention. And that's, that's the idea of how it works. Now, let me s explain a little bit because I know the listeners are not energy experts, okay? A kilowatt is something that we kind of think about around the house. You know, uh, a it, it's a thousand it's watts. It's a thousand watts. And um, a thousand wa watts equal a kilowatt. A thousand kilowatts equal a megawatt. A thousand megawatts equal a gigawatt. A gigawatt, yeah. A thousand gigawatts equal a terawatt. So for the listeners that are not energy experts, United States produces about 1.1 terawatts, our 1,100 gigawatts, our 11,000 megawatts, okay? That's how much energy the entire United States produces. China produces about the same, okay? So, and we can go through countries, but, but to, to talk specifically here so people kind of understand, the Hoover Dam produces about 2.2 gigawatts of electricity. Uh, uh, the... 
country of uh, the the city of Phoenix uses about 6.7 gigawatts of electricity. Okay, it it has the ability to produce up to 9.7 gigawatts, and, and that's of a constant draw. That's right? a constant draw all the time. Not hours, you know. A lot right. of times expressed in hours. This is the constant draw of it. Okay. So that means the Hoover Dam essentially at two gigawatts compared to the six that's needed to, seven, to yeah. or seven to, to compare. It's a very, uh, a very small 25 percent. Yeah, about 25 yeah. to 30 percent of Phoenix can be could be produced from Phoenix from, from the, the Hoover, from Dam, Hoover right? Dam, but instead use you know different sources. By the way, Phoenix uh, uses a lot of coal yet to produce energy. A lot of people maybe in Phoenix don't know that, but they do. Yeah, I think everybody in Phoenix probably assumes that it's all coming from uh, you know the the Hoover Dam type of stuff in the nuclear power plant. But no, there's still a lot of coal being, being and, I, I and natural gas. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I, I thought it was all the nuclear power plant. Now, now to be specific about Phoenix, because I'm in Phoenix, and I kind of want to talk to the people in Phoenix, yet I'm going to relate a lot of stuff to the world. Um, right now, uh, Phoenix producing 6.7 gigawatts of electricity. The, the amount of revenue that Phoenix gets from electricity is about $3.3 billion a year. Okay. And last year, its expenses were about $2.8 billion. So that's the cost to Phoenix to produce that amount of electricity. So, And, and that comes in the way of, uh, you know, like people like myself or you, we pay our power bills. It's the, it's electricity. You know, the, the companies that are paying their electric bills. All of that combined is the $3 billion that you're talking about, correct? Right. That's okay. correct. So, so that's the, the cost and how much energy Phoenix produces, et cetera. So... I, I'm going to relate this to this new energy invention. I'm going to kind of talk about it a little bit ahead of time. Let's. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break here in just a couple of minutes, and I don't okay. want to have to cut you off when okay. we get no, into I some of those numbers, right? right? Because I think it's really important that uh, the audience consumes that as a whole. So before we go to commercial break, we're going to do that in about three minutes. Uh, I think it's important before we get into uh, the the how of of the, it works. Uh, you know, I think important for the the listeners to understand too is not just because you wanted to solve a problem. But why, right? You have grandchildren and your family, and what was the driving factor in even going down that road for the eight years? Well, you know, I retired from Marathon, and I needed something to do. And I was thinking, okay, I, you know, uh, I worked for the oil company for all those years. I knew we were going to run out of oil. You know, a lot of people, you know, wonder, uh, you know, th may think we have all the oil in the world like it's in one big pool or something. Really, most of the oil that the world has consumed has come from the Middle East. It still does today. Uh, so I knew we were going to run out of oil. And uh, what are we going to do when we run out of oil? You know, uh, we can't talk about 80 years or 100 years as the future of mankind. That doesn't make any sense. And truthfully, without oil, the world can't survive. I, I mean, yeah. uh, uh, if you think, and, and if you think the governments are going to allow us to use up the last drop of oil and then cut us off, you're crazy. <laughs> you, you know, they're going to cut us off early. So I don't know how many years we have left, but they're going to cut us off. You know, the, the, you got, you, you got uh, security, you got military, you got government. So we're going to get cut off from this oil. Now, I, I, maybe a lot of people think, oh, yeah, right. We will get cut off from oil. It is a limited resource. Actually, oil is trapped beneath the rocks, and it takes millions of years for that oil to, to even get, you know, to where it is trapped down there. So we're going to, since I knew that, it, it was critical that I, for me, to think, okay, how do we power this world? And because I knew so much about the oil business and that, I decided to work on energy, and like I told you earlier, I decided to work on river flow because river flow is constant. It, it is a one energy source that I thought that we could 
uh, uh, axle harness and power the world with. And so I, I started working on it and I start building prototypes and it was and I failed and I can tell you how frustrating eight years of failure was. <laughs> yeah. uh, I actually threw my hands up and then when I did come up with an idea, I actually shared it with uh, another person and they thought I was crazy at the beginning. So uh, I, I, I think that's uh, the way that any good inventor, it, yeah. hap it happens to Thomas Edison and the light bulb. And well, so for a week, I didn't get a response. And finally, a week later, he called me up and said, hey, this actually works. So then from there, I spent another two years transforming this. I know that sounds like a long time, but it's major transformations to where now it's modulized. I can implement it in over a million places around the world. By the way, I'll just throw this out there. It has the ability to capture 1.5 billion foot-pounds of torque, the, the largest unit. And I believe that can be implemented in over a million places around the world. Wow. That, that is just a, an extreme uh, breadth of uh, ability to uh, you know, implement that and, well, and really so, get it in. So, we're we're uh, coming up on that commercial so, break. So just for the folks, 1.5 billion foot-pounds of torque equals 2 gigawatts of electricity. So about what the Hoover Dam is putting out. Right. Wow. Well, guys, you're listening to uh, John Rosebush, uh, alternative energy professional. Uh, we're here on voiceamerica.com forward slash live events, having an extremely candid discussion about the human energy revolution and what needs to be done uh, moving forward to make sure that the earth has a sustainable option uh, for electricity so we don't run out of oil because oil is one of the most important commodities as it sustains 7 billion people across the globe outside of commuting back and forth to work and driving our cars. We're going to take a quick commercial break here for about three or four minutes uh, while we reset. And when we come back from that commercial break, uh, we're going to talk to John a little bit about uh, the invention and some more uh, in-depth components about a new age for humanity. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these commercial breaks. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. My name is Ryan Treasure. We're right here on voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. And we're talking about the human energy connection with Mr. John Rosebush, alternative energy professional. And uh, before the commercial break, we were talking a little bit about uh, a discussion of sustainability as well as the deficiencies in our our current uh, space in the ecosystem as it relates to energy. And, you know, I think it's time for us to really get in, dig down deep, John, just take off that jacket uh, so that way we can get comfortable and we're really going to dig in a little bit about this uh, invention that John has created. So, uh, John, let's just pick up where we left off. And, you know, I think before the break, we were talking about the uh, the invention's ability uh, to create two gigawatts of power. Yeah, you know, you know, the first half of this session, we talked about uh, uh, all the issues that mankind's facing. We talked about the deficiencies of wind and solar. We talked about, you know, how in the, f- in the future are we going to survive and, and power this planet? And it's critical that we 
we, we, we embrace new ideas for one thing, and this is a brand new idea. It's a completely different way to, to generate energy. It takes a completely different approach than anything that's ever been out there. Uh, when, when I say that I can generate 1.5 billion foot-pounds of torque, which I talked about just before the break, which is 2 gigawatts of electricity, we actually reduce that by 50% for mechanical losses. So that way, we're very conservative on our estimates. Uh, we estimate this new energy invention will cost $180 million a gigawatt, which is a tiny fraction of the cost of any energy produced today, a tiny fraction. In other words, I can replace the Hoover Dam for $360 million and produce the same amount of energy, the same firm energy, which is constant energy, uh, all over the world, in millions and millions of places around the world. This actually has the ability to create almost unlimited energy. I, I come out to Phoenix to visit my grandkids. And so I got on this show because, you know, we set it up that way where I yep. could do that. So, you know, two nights ago, I spent some time on a computer studying the different rivers and, uh, that flow through here. And I actually found a way where I know I could generate 30 gigawatts of electricity in Phoenix. Now, that's ridiculous because Phoenix would never use that much, even for their electricity or their transportation. Right. Okay. So, you know, but more than likely, Phoenix could, could use 20 gigawatts of electricity. 20 gigawatts of electricity would cost $3.6 billion. That's a little more than one year of your revenues here. And I could generate enough energy in Phoenix, in the middle of a desert, <laughs> to power Phoenix and its and, and all its automobile land transportation, all its automobiles for for uh, 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 for a one-time cost of three hundred and sixty million dollars and a very tiny maintenance budget. That would mean that everybody in Phoenix would be entitled to just unbelievably cheap energy. They would drive their vehicles for fifty cent equivalent of gallon of gasoline. High, if we converted them to hydrogen. They have stuff out there today that you can convert uh, uh, gasoline or diesel engines to run off hydrogen, similar to natural gas. Right. Okay? So that means that Phoenix would have, like, crazy cheap energy for living. There would be no more daytime rates and nighttime rates. Uh, they'd have enough energy to clean up their water better so there's no more bottled water. Uh, Phoenix could a a a a to expand. Phoenix, uh, uh, imagine just the possibilities for little Phoenix that we're talking about here when, when we're talking about this applicable around the world. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, for those folks that are not in, uh, 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 in tune with Phoenix, you know, we don't have, you know, Mississippi-style rivers here. You know, they're not flowing like crazy. It is the desert. Uh, on the Mississippi, I know I could generate 1,000 terawatts, which, remember my earlier discussion, terawatt yeah. is, well, the United States only produces one today. Okay, I could generate a thousand terawatts on the Mississippi River alone, which would be enough to power the entire planet 50 times over just on the Mississippi. So think about rivers on all our major cities. All our major cities in the United States have rivers just about. That's why they became a city large in cities. the first place, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. of the transportation in, back in the 1800s. So th this has the possibility that New York, I've, said, uh, I've got a, a complete rundown of an implementation plan for New York. Uh, Washington, D.C., uh, even Phoenix here, almost every city in the United States I could do this for, okay? Which means it would be a complete transformation of the United States. The, the, the thing is, I could do it for the world. Uh, this even works in cold weather climates. I could do this in Russia. I could do this in Canada. Now you say, well, uh, why don't you just go out there and, and, and 
release us? Well, I have it because the world has got major issues as far as inequities, et cetera. Believe it or not, what I'm trying, attempting to do is implement this where it benefits the bottom 80% of the planet. Yeah, making sure that the People. top 10% earners in the world aren't uh, hoarding up the technology right. to assist the everyday Joe to get that cheaper energy. So how does a person do that? You know, you know th th this has been my biggest issue is on the implementation side, how do I implement this in such a way that benefits everybody? It benefits the rich people, too. A cheap energy benefits everybody. Maybe not the oil companies and maybe not a few of the other uh, utility. But even the utility companies, they're going to deliver this. Okay, they're, they're, they're going to have to be helped. Yeah, somebody has to manage it and maintain it. And, and people talk about, oh my gosh, this will reduce employment if it's got you got almost free cheap energy. No, it's going to take twenty or thirty years to convert our planet from uh, a, what I consider a carbon-based uh, um, consumption throwaway society, which is totally the opposite of what seven point three billion people need. We need an alternative energy recyclable society to sustain humanity. We, we, we don't want to say, well, gosh, two generations out is the last generation living on this planet. That's what we're facing. Yeah, well, and you talk about that 20 or 30 years for that transition. You and I spoke about this earlier today. Um, it doesn't, re it doesn't uh, remove jobs. It actually doubles the amount of jobs in that transitional period. I, I consider if we're smart about how we implement this new technology, we'll have almost full employment around the world. When I say full employment, not the phony 4.6% we got today that they talk about, but literally full employment and good employment. But we're going to have to change our monetary policies around the world. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of like saying to yourself, can you afford to save yourself? You now, that's to. a dumb question, right? <laughs> you have to. That's a dumb question, too. Yes, we can. But, you, you know, and, and, and the thing is, you say, well, gosh, how come this hasn't been introduced? Well, I can tell you, I've had... 40 phone calls from venture capitalists. First thing they want to talk about is how rich we're going to be. I don't care to be rich. I'm 61 years old. I just want to live a normal life. I've lived a normal life, a good life, quality life. Worked for an oil company, did a lot of things in my life, happy about my life. But I don't, surely don't want care to be a billionaire and have guards watching me and all that crap. Just like any responsible grandparent, though, you want to make sure that the 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 world when you leave it is sustainable. But for I don't want to make any. I don't want to make anybody else a billionaire neither. Right. What what I want this to do is be responsible. Uh, my ultimate goal is to create a help create a sustainable, healthy society. And and uh, it takes two things. It not only takes the sustainability, the hard assets of of creating a sustainable plan, but it also takes the social responsibility. Social responsibility meaning that guess what, the inequities are 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 minimal. Uh, I believe in capitalism, but I don't believe 10% of the people should own 90% of the wealth and income in, in, in the United States. It's kind of like we're a third world country. I mean, for crime any sake, we're supposed to be the middle class beacon of the world. And, and we're acting like a third world country. Uh, the idea our that wealth the distribution here is just the same as in uh, Mexico yeah, or some other our, our uh, any, some India. Third world country right. somewhere. It's all the same. Actually, if you take a look at the income and wealth distribution around the world. The United States is no different than the third world country. That, that is, except for our, our ability to live, is better than the other countries, but still the wealth distribution is that bad. That needs to change. And, 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 and it surely ain't by me becoming a trillionaire over this new energy invention and then handing out the money. Uh, it, it needs to change to begin with. Uh, we, we, the income needs to be distributed equally to begin with, or not equally, but much more fairly. Right. Uh, to, to make a healthy society, and and you know the only, everybody around the world is the same. They they care about their family, 
care about good food. They care about their friends. They want their a better life for the children. There is no differences in, in people around the world, not in, in, in their core beliefs, okay? Yep. So, you know, this new energy invention, What my whole goal of bringing this to the world, uh, I started out, I can tell you, through LinkedIn, I got almost 10,000, you know, connected people, uh, many, many leaders around the world, many scientists and engineers. I already have that. But what I've decided is uh, I can't get to people that, re- that want to do this in a responsible way. It's been impossible. Yeah, and that's a question I always come up with when you talk about this. It's so exciting to know that the, the technology is there to be able to do that. But, you know, you bring up the good point about the social issue with the the wealth distribution. And it's almost like you've got to fix that portion of the social piece we, before you can be responsible we, about delivering well, your invention. Well, we have invention. to Because if I just give it to the world, the rich people are going to exploit it. Maybe our energy rates will go down a little bit. And that's going to be the end of it. That cannot be the end of this. This has to help. Just, it, it, it can't solve it, but it surely can help yeah. with the distribution of income around the world. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's taking place. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a senior vice president from General Electric contact me. Oh, that's, and, just, that's just a tiny company, right? Yeah, General yeah, Electric. Yeah, right. They're just tiny. <laughs> and email me and spend two months back and forth emailing me and calling me on the phone. Uh, talking about this new energy invention. And I thought, oh boy, I've got the very large company that I need to not only validate the the energy invention, but help lead it to implement it around the world. So after two months, we built such a uh, rapport. We we talked about our grandchildren. We talked about, you know, life. We talked about the energy invention. He asked me every day, by the way, how the energy invention worked. I, of course, not going to tell him until... There's enough legal things in, in South that we can we can bring it to the world. So after two months, he gives me the phone number of Mr. D. Wolf, which is the chief counsel of of GE in Connecticut. So he gives me his phone number and he says, "Call him and, and you know we'll set up a partnership." And I thought, well, this is cool. This you know he's getting me to the right people to yeah. finish setting partnership. Mr. D. Wolf declines, and he tells me that he's got too many conflicts of interest to go forward. Now remember, I'm not asking him for money. I'm only asking them for a validation. Uh, we even stated that we would pay their engineers' time, double their rate, to validate this energy invention. Yet, because of conflicts of interest and cronyism, I was turned down. Okay? So, then, it, I was, it was so shocked, I couldn't even believe it. Okay? Yeah, that's, like, that's the tip of this social problem we're talking about. Right. And it's also the tip of sustainability of the human race. Agreed. It's almost like profits are worth more than actually... Uh, uh, doing something meaning, meaningful because, you know, they, they make money selling their wind turbines that are completely marketed so falsely that it's insane. And, uh, but, you know, and selling to coal plants, et cetera. Well, you know, it's like as if they don't want really want to solve this problem. Now, I've heard of things getting buried. This is not going to get buried. I, I've built a prototype. That's of why it. we're here. I know. That's why we're here. And I've built a prototype of it a semi-operating prototype. I, I just didn't want to go through the cost of sizing the generators and doing all the things that were necessary to make it a full working prototype. But it's so clearly represented, the engineering so complete that it would take two days to actually validate this new energy invention. Two days, okay? That's how long it would take an engineer. And that is the maximum amount of time. And that's only because he's got to run his own calculations and everything. So do you, do you challenge those engineers to I, contact you? I challenge the leaders around the world to step up. Uh, but they're going to do it in a responsible way. 
Uh, I broke down a semi-business plan for this. 60% of the profits will go to help the poor and the middle class around the world. 10% of the profits would go to a company like a GE that would actually want to lead. Now, Siemens has contacted me. We'll see where that goes. Siemens is another very large yeah. engineering firm because they have the ability to lead around the world. I'm looking more for leadership than money, okay? Because once this thing is disclosed, every country in the world will want to implement it immediately because of the cost, because it, there is no econo uh, uh, ecological damage whatsoever. It's totally, totally uh, would operate... So it's, it's green. Yeah, it's right. completely green, and and it won't even damage the rivers. Actually, in the Mississippi, uh, I I only need I can portion off a river and bring it back and power this. So it's not even going to hurt any fish or anything. There's no fast going turbines. There's none of that crap. So uh, this thing can actually operate in such a green, such efficient way, and I know I could generate a hundred times what the world produces today in energy, clean energy, constant energy. Firm energy, that's what firm energy is. That means that I could make anything possible anywhere on this planet, and it would power all our transportation uh, fuels. Let me tell you that, that uh, gasoline or diesel engines, uh, they could be converted to run off HH2, which is hydrogen, um, uh, and, and uh, they would operate very similar to the way a natural gas conversion works today in your vehicle. So all land transportation could be converted. What couldn't be converted right now is airline travel because we have to have the technology to do that. Okay, but, but most, uh, uh, and, and by the way, um, uh, airline travel con still consumes a lot of oil. This is going to take some time. And anybody worried about employment, I can tell you right now that it's going to take 20, 30 years to build all these units, convert all these vehicles, uh, transform our grids. By the way, our grids will be completely, uh, they'll be simplified tremendously. There'll be no more long-distance grids. There'll be no more complicated technology because you're trying to bring intermittent energy into it, the mix. There'll be none of that. It will be, energy will be thought of as just... It's free almost, and it's there. And <laughs> Like the air we breathe, it just is. It's constant. And it's there. anybody that thinks that, oh, boy, this is not going to be something, this w it's almost like delivering a Ferrari to the Roman Empire. I mean, that's how enormous uh, this is going to be for the world. And the domino effect of all the different abilities to do so many things in this world will be so enormous, it will completely create a new age for humanity. It will transform our entire world. It will change our priorities from trying to find energy to how we use energy. And it's that powerful. It, 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 it is that important to the sustainability. And anybody listening to this needs to call into Voice America, write into Voice America, uh, contact other people. Uh, let people know that this is available. And the only reason so far it has not been uh, brought out is because of greed, because people be in fear, and uh, uh, it, it, it's been a ridiculous one-year ride for me on LinkedIn to have all these leaders contact me and then turn around and, 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 and not follow up. Uh, I, I'm, I started out on Voice America here now. I'm so glad that they're partnering with me to, to assist me in this. I have other social media partners. So my goal is to make sure that the pressure comes from the bottom up. I'm, nobody's asking anybody for money of anywhere, me, you, or anybody. But what we need is we need pressure put on the leaders of the world to step up. Now, if this doesn't work, then you know what? It would, it, like I said, two days to validate it. It would take two lousy days. The thing I need 
to do it is to make sure that the legal stuff is right so the regular, the poor people, and the middle class benefit from this, uh, along with the wealthy, but they'll get the extra benefit. And it might help create more of a healthy society. And that's all I want for my children and my grandchildren. Yeah, and I think it's up to... Uh everyday people like you and I, we have a social responsibility, I believe, to make sure that we are sharing this information with everybody so that way we can really start to create progress that ultimately leads to the change that's required socially to be able to handle this. And, and, and I'm not here to convince you this energy invention works. Uh, the validation company will do that. What I'm here for you to do is to put pressure, to talk to your friends, to talk to your neighbors. This is about our children and grandchildren. And if you, I, I know the first half hour was a little bit dry. I'm sorry, it was. I'm a little nervous. First time I've been on a radio. And, uh, but the gentleman sitting next to me here has been great, he, uh, and so has Voice America. They've made me feel relaxed. But we need your help. We need, we need the public's help. We need you to talk to other people. We need you to get on board and just let, these, uh, let, let, let this thing shake out where it is. Uh, I, I'm requesting people look underneath the hood. That's all. And, and, and it will, the energy invention will speak for itself. Uh, it can do exactly as I claim. It really can produce almost unlimited energy around the world. We've got to stop with the status quo and start asking ourselves how important we are to each other and start making that change happen. How important the world is. Uh, you, you know, uh, the first half hour, you know, I tried to explain the, the problems in the world. They're more severe than what I'm explaining. We really are leading ourselves down a path of an apocalypse if we look underneath the hood. Not us, but our kids and our grandkids. And truthfully, if we don't change these priorities and change directions, no sense in you need to tell your kids, don't have no more kids, because this world is in trouble. I mean, it is in serious trouble. And you can, you can, you know, ignore this and, and go on, but I'm telling you, we're running out of fossil fuels. And if you understood the importance of, of, of running out of energy in this world with this many people, uh, you, would, you would actually sit back in your chairs and say, hey, we need to do something. I think a really good point, too, to make for the audience is, you know, we, we all know this because of, of the place that United States has played a role over the last several years, uh, you know, in, in foreign countries. And a lot of the skirmishes that happen, you know, worldwide are a direct result of the need to control energy. Right. And, That's right. And think about the countless lives that will be saved and, and the countless steps uh, that socially human that, that humans will socially take. You, you know, I could spend two days discussing the benefits to unlimited cheap energy desalination uh, around the coastal, coastal parts of the world. Does people realize 60 percent of the population lives on coastal regions around the world? And water shortages popping up everywhere. We could desalinate water because that's the biggest issue with desalination is energy. We could desalinate enough fresh water to, to never have a water issue again the rest of our life. Uh, th th there's just, uh, uh, and if we set up a 360 recyclable worldwide program, we could recycle all our products. We could actually have a responsible capitalistic society around the world. And capitalist, because I believe in that. I'm not a socialist. What I'm trying to do is make it a fair world, not a socialist world. So, 
Yeah, and I think it's important that we all, you know, take that step for social change uh, and, and trying to make this a reality. So again, you know, as we're here on voiceamerica.com forward slash live events, talking to John Rosebush about the human energy revolution and his invention as it can be applied uh, to, to the United States and the world and really give us an alternative uh, to where we're at now. You know, John, we have about three minutes before okay. we close it out. I want to give you uh, that three minutes so that okay. way you can you can really you know, uh, uh, set the tone for what you feel passionate about and the importance of uh, this renewable energy source. Okay. First thing is I'd like to thank all the audience for listening. Uh, I know this is a different type of program, probably on Voice America, that you've heard before. These are all true statements. Nobody's trying to uh, uh, pull wool over anybody's eyes. There's no money being asked for. The next thing i like to do is challenge the world leaders, and any scientist or engineer that would like to come on a program and talk about energy and the future of, of humanity. Uh, this has become too important. Uh, I, so any science or engineer that disagrees with anything that's been said here today, I challenge you to come on air and talk about intermittent energy and the problems with it, to talk about coal, to talk about fossil fuels, to talk about water shortages, to talk about pollution in any other countries. Uh, I'm not going to get into the specifics of this energy invention because until the legal work is done, until I have the right partners to lead this around the world that can make positive change for normal people in this world, that cannot be discussed. But anything else about energy and about sustainability, I challenge any of you, any of you. So, uh, so I hope there's some scientists and engineers listening because right now we're in trouble. And in uh, uh, one last point, I would like to thank Voice America. They've been very gracious. They've uh, allowed me to come on air, and I'm very glad this is the first time that I've talked to mass media. Uh, I've had webinars I put on at Michigan State not that long ago, but this is the first time I've ever talked to Mass Media. I thank you very much. Well, and John, we thank you as well. And you guys, you're hearing it first right here on voiceamerica.com. We're talking to John Rosebush, alternative energy professional and discussing the human energy revolution. Go connect with John on Facebook. And like John said, for all of you guys or engineers or scientists and you question uh, this invention's ability to do what John says it does, John's an open book. Uh, we've had uh, candid discussions before the live interview. And uh, let me tell you, he is the real deal. He's a regular everyday American from Michigan uh, who's got a plan to solve the energy crisis. And I implore you, Voice America implores you, challenge what he says, get a hold of him, make some contacts, make some uh, connections and question the status quo. And let's really start to uh, engage in social change in a way that allows us as humans to be more human, to care about each other, care about our world, and really start to take the steps that's necessary to find renewable energy that we can use so that way the human race can continue as we have for millions of years. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. My name is Ryan Treasure. I'm here with John Rosebush. Uh, we're here on voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. We'll be putting up some video as well as some Facebook live uh, right after this. So you guys stay tuned for more as we uh, discuss with John Rosebush in the future and what's going on with the human energy revolution. Stay tuned. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 